0: Hello and welcome to the Bridge City Church podcast. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church. or we'll come along to our Sunday service at 10am. We'd love to have a coffee and a chat. We hope you enjoy this week's message. See you at church. Met you hello my name is Naomi I'm on the leadership team here I'm Scott's wife and mother mother to three um, and uh, it's been a little while since I've been able to share with you but I'm really really excited for this morning this morning's going to be great um, I have a lot of expectation with what the Holy Spirit is going to do amongst us today uh, because you're my family my spiritual family and I love you and uh, what this is, um, what God's given to me is something that I'm, uh, yeah, eager to share with you because I think it's, it's something that he really wants us to hear. So first I'm just going to pray and then we'll get into it. So thank you, Lord, for meeting us here, meeting us wherever we, we are in our journey with you. And Lord, as such a broken, just a broken sinner, I'm just so thankful that you have saved me. And I'm just so thankful that you've given me a word to share with my family this morning. So, Father, as I do share, Lord, I just don't want it to be things that I've organised to say. I want you to speak through me and I want you to be my my words. Um, and I just pray that you'll be with us today uh, as we're gathering together. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so, uh, as always... Uh, when coming up to being put on the roster, I had a word circling in my head and in my spirit. And then I knew that, yeah, I'll preach, I'll preach at some point, and Robin put me on the roster to preach. So uh, this was this word is is empowerment. Uh, and it's been circling around in my head. And I think it's quite timely, and it's probably in response to uh, our world at the moment. And I think with everything going on it politically Um, in terms of our international uh, stage, dealing with COVID. We have, you know, a lot of uh, populism going around with uh, suspicion about political agendas. Um, You know, there just seems to be a lot of upheaval. uh, Even looking at things to do with, um, you know, children's rights and things like that, there is just a lot of upheaval. There's a lot of things changing at the moment. Uh, And there's a great opportunity for the church to really stand empowered in this very... uh, muddy unpredictable time and unfortunately I I don't know if we as a global church have always been being really good at that you know I think that uh, historically the church as a people have have done some damage. And I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about the global church. I'm talking about history of the Crusades and uh, off with her head and all of that kind of thing that happened in medieval times, if you know your history. And so I have it really heavy on my heart that in this time of upheaval that we are empowered Christians, okay, that we are an empowered people. Because When we become saved and we make that decision to be a Christian, it doesn't automatically mean that we are going to be empowered. It means God has given it available to us to be empowered, but it's not always the case that we will take it. It's not always the case that we'll walk in it. And I want to share with you what an empowered Christian is. I want to give you some examples from the Word because this is where we get our standard for living And I want to look at what it means, what it looks like to be empowered. Not just to be saved, not that being saved is something to just be, but not just to be calling Jesus our Saviour and then going home after church in our very comfortable lives and locking the door and doing our life, but to be empowered. Okay, so that firstly begins with a definition. So empower, to empower someone is to give power to, to make someone stronger and more confident. And when we look at the, the word empowerment, it means the transfer of power to someone else. It's just such a good word. I'm such a word nerd, but it's just such a good word. Empowerment is the transfer of power to someone else. And it's a very cornerstone of what we believe, isn't it? We believe that as soon as we make that decision, the power of God, the God who created the world and put it in the right spot in the Goldilocks zone so it's at the right angle so we don't get burnt, we don't get frozen and we somehow stay, you know, this perfect sense of gravity circling around the sun and asteroids do hit us sometimes but like it's not like we're constantly being bombarded. The God who created all of that, his power is accessible to us. And I think part of it is, in the Western church, um, you know, in our society, we don't really contend with poverty, we don't really contend with disease or um, death, you know, staring us down the face at every corner, we're quite sheltered from that. And so... When we're looking at our society and how we are constantly bombarded, we might not be looking at things like danger at every corner the way other communities might, but we are constantly bombarded by the media. We're constantly bombarded by technology. We have at our fingertips every single thing that we can think of to help us be comfortable and to be distracted from life, you know, if we have a bad day, we can go to the shops and buy ice cream and then we can go home, we can watch a movie that we've been wanting to watch and we can get into our bed where we're nice and warm and we don't have to worry about getting rained on or, you know, who's might be passing us in the street at night. We get to shut our door, shut our window and that's it. And so because of that, I really think the Western Church is in a unique position and I don't believe God really I, I believe in the Bible it says, Blessed are those who haven't seen me. Okay. We haven't we have seen the Holy Spirit, we are in communion with him. We haven't walked around where Jesus walked. Okay, we weren't around then, so we are blessed. But I believe that our challenge is, is somewhat um, different in terms of what we contend with. We don't contend with danger all of the time. We contend with pressure. We contend with this um, uh, temptation to always just be as comfortable as we can. And, and to me, I think that can sometimes really um, put us at danger of not being empowered Christians, not, not living in an empowered way. Okay, so another thing that we might contend with and I know it's something definitely I've contended with, contended with a lot of other people I know have as well is that we've been brought up by people that aren't perfect, you know. There are, there are traumas, there are things that have happened to us that's not fair. There are, are things that have affected us that will affect us for the rest of our life you know, that person that you should have been able to trust and turn to for safety wasn't a safe person, and they've hurt us. And so we're also not only contending with our culture and our environment that we're living in, but also we're contending with our history. That it hasn't always been easy. It's actually sometimes been really, really hard. And, you know, if you don't know people's stories, you know, make friends with people here in this room and you'll be able to hear some of the stories of where they've come from. Some people have just walked through the most horrific things and are such a a wonderful testimony to God's goodness in them being so steadfast despite those things. So we're not only contending with our environment, but we're contending with our history. And... To compound it, and I've already mentioned that, the church has not always been a safe place for people. When you've got a whole room full of hurting people, they will usually hurt people. And um, again, I'm not coming from a place of judgment. I'm coming from a place of just being aware of it. It's important for us to be aware of it. The church itself, us being the church, we are flawed and the only way that we are going to do what it is that God wants us to do is if we use that weakness to become strong through him. If we channel that strength through him, if we acknowledge our weakness, acknowledge our flaws as a community and turn to him. But that's not going to happen if we don't acknowledge that we are flawed, that we all have cracks, that we have been hurt and we're in an environment that's not the best and we're going to hurt other people unless we rely on him. So I hope you're not feeling a bit depressed because <laughs> that's a lot of bad stuff. But it is reality, yes. And I think the church should talk about reality. We should, we should be the ones speaking the truth and being honest and not skimming over the things that are, are too hard to talk about. We should be the voice in the community um, so, and this is this is really part of my heart in sharing this with you is that we can do life so much better than what we've been doing. And I'm not, again, not talking about us specifically. I'm talking about the church. You know, we are we are meant to be a light on a hill. You know, the light in the darkness. And I see all the time on the news, and I know that there's great things happening, but I also see on the news all of the time. You know, Christians in their suits, sharing their opinion on things that other people are doing wrong, not being a light on the hill but being judgmental, pointing a finger. And that's not what Jesus did. And so I'm quite passionate about this, about sharing with you how an empowered Christian lives, what it looks like, because, because we all have access to that. There's no one that's exempt from that. So can I have the first slide, Livy? So... An empowered Christian or empowered Christianity looks like freedom. I have three children, as I mentioned before. Um, I raise them all the same and they're all completely different. In fact, when they came out, they were all completely different. Samuel didn't say anything. He didn't even cry. The nurses were quite concerned with him, like, make a noise, make a noise. But he's a very introverted kid. And then my middle son, he came out screaming and he didn't stop screaming for 24 hours after he was born. Like, he just didn't stop at all and he is my extrovert. And then our, our youngest, Phoebe, was kind of in between. And they, you know, are just completely different from the get-go. Again, I've ra- we've raised them all of, all the same way but they all have different challenges you know, they're not all the same. They don't all follow the exact same process of, of growing up and developing. They're all unique. And again, look around us, you know, in our lovely church. There are so many diverse personalities and histories and ethnicities. It's just this beautiful uniqueness within the body. And I also am one of these people who think that spiritually we can be unique as well. Uh, everyone has the Bible talks about spiritual giftings we all have different spiritual giftings we all have a different relationship with Jesus Um, I'm not talking about um, a false relationship with Jesus or a relationship with Jesus that's dominated by uh, things other than love or what he came to do for us but I'm talking about we all have a slightly different understanding of Jesus. We have the, the, the big stuff, the theological stuff, we, we are very much on the same page. But I'm talking about the intimacies with Jesus is slightly different for everyone. You might find when someone's preaching um, that they will sometimes have the bent of, you know, love or, you know, have the bent of you know, Pastor Vic. He loved talking about end times. That was his bent. That was his perspective. It was unique and we need it in the body. We're not all supposed to be the same. We are all supposed to have our different unique perspectives and intimacies with Jesus because the, way, the, the coming together into a body creates this wonderful balance. And so I'm kind of of the idea that if someone is in the church and says something that's a little bit, uh, what's the word, different, that I don't automatically cross it out as, no, that's not right, But that's interesting, we need you in our body, we need you, you're part of this balance that we're creating in the body of all of this unique wonderfulness and we know that it is good because the Bible tells us it's good. In um, Psalms 139, in the Amplified Version it says, "Uh, My frame was not hidden from you when I was being formed in secret and intricately and skillfully formed as if embroidered with many colours in the depths of the earth. Uh, so Const, Constable's uh, note, so the, um, the uh, commentary says that the depths of the earth can be a figure of speech for the womb. So the Bible tells us that we were formed intricately and skillfully as if we were embroidered. Who Does anyone embroider? Any embroiders here? Yep. My mum used to embroider with ribbon and it it took her hours and hours and it was just so intricate and if you didn't do things right, it would like get all tangled up and then you had special knots and things for a particular effect and it is a process and it is very, very intricate, it is skillful and you need to be confident with what you're doing. We are wonderfully made. Now, how does that connect with freedom? We are not supposed to all be the same and we can be free in being who we have been made to be. We are not going to have all all the same personalities. We're not going to have the same history. We're not going to have exactly the same intimacies with Jesus. We're going to have slightly different perspectives. We have walked different journeys and we've walked different paths. And if you believe the Bible and believe that the paths that are made for us, that our faith is perfected by him, that everything that we do is, if we're walking with God, one step closer to him in our journey, whether we're walking or we're crawling or we're running, it is all part of this plan, this journey as to where we need to get to in the end. And we can be free in that. Our walk is not going to look the same as everybody else's walk. Our history isn't going to be the same and our future's not going to be the same. And we can be free in that. We can be free in who our personalities are. In Ephesians three fourteen, let me see if I've got a uh, next slide, Livy. In Ephesians three fourteen, uh, New International Version, it says, uh, "For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit of your in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith." And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I love that verse for the highlighted bit I've got up there. Strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Your inner being is where he is most concerned. It's not with your physical physicality or your physiology. It is in the inner being that he works. And your inner being was made by him in the depths of your mother's womb, before the foundations of the world, and it is good. Uh, in Ephesians 2.10, we are God's handiwork. We are made by him. In Matthew 10, our preciousness is talked about saying, um, aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will. Even all the hairs on your head are numbered. So do not be afraid. You're more valuable than many sparrows. Now, I did some research on this a little while ago. And sparrows are actually, there are heaps more than people. There are just so many sparrows. Like, they just... They just breed. They're just there's just there's so many of them, and so the very passage here saying that not one of them falls without God's knowledge. You are more valuable than them. And I've said as I've said before in Genesis 1, 31, thirty one, I've got up there, and I can't I can't forget talking about this because this is awesome. That after God created everything, this was on the sixth day. He, he saw all he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So you are um, a part of his his great, amazing plan for your community. He made you the way that you are, and he has told you time and time again in the Bible that you are made very, very well. You are made very, very well, just the way you are. Your inner being, there's nothing lacking. It is all there and that's where his spirit does the work in perfecting our faith in walking with us. So my my own reading of that is that we are walking like Christians that are free. We are walking like Christians who, if we're extroverts, we embrace it. We talk. If we're introverts, we embrace it and we can be those people who see the things extroverts miss. I'm an introvert. I'm, well, yeah, I'm an introvert. I'm kind of, I, sometimes I am extroverted, but I am introverted too. I get, I get uh, charged being alone, like solitude is good for me. Um, but if we are free in who we are and who God has created us to be, his spirit can do the work. If we are so bound by wanting to be a different person, if we're so bound with, oh, wish I was different, I just hate who I am, I'm just not right, there's something wrong with me, we are not going to be walking with him in the way that we are supposed to where the spirit can do the work. Roald Dahl said like, you know, be happy and the happiness will shine out of your face. I mean, Roald Dahl's not the Bible, but the Bible talks about a similar thing where we, are, if we fill up with him so much, it will just come out. And all of the things that we need to, to um, be... Uh, bolstered by the Holy Spirit can be bolstered if we are walking around not free because we are so concerned with who we are inside and who we are outside and what we might have and what we do for a job then we aren't going to be walking as an empowered Christian Moses was not a leader and he was really concerned about that and then in the Bible God said to him who do you think you are I made you and i have called you to do this work and moses was able then to do, to save a whole generation through through god empowering him of course but to save a whole generation of people and bring them out of egypt if moses was so bound up with who he was his personality his history you know who he thought he should be he would never have done that even if god challenged him but he was able to step out in faith and to walk in a free way and it was able to be done. In 1 Samuel 16 verse 7 it says God looks at the heart. That's where he goes. He's not looking at the way you look like or what you do for a job. He's looking at your heart. Okay. Okay. Uh, It took me a long, long time to actually grasp this, actually. Um, Growing up, uh, again, being an introvert um, and being in, you know, youth groups and all of that stuff with heaps of extroverted people, always wanted to be different, always wanted to be one of those people who could talk to anyone really confidently and bless her, my mum was really extroverted and she, like, I just wanted to be like her. But I just wasn't and she would try in her frustration to make me like go and make friends with people and oh my gosh if you're introverted that's like the worst thing that you could ever possibly do is like oh hello I'm Naomi Um, and I just remember just being so caught up for years about how do I become more confident how do I how do I be confident with who God's made me to be how do I do it and I remember going to every youth group and like talking to leaders how do I become more how do I do it how do I do it how do I do it but it, it's, at that point, it was more about what do I do to help myself. It wasn't, I wasn't concerned about being free to be who I was supposed to be, who God made me. I was so concerned with trying to change who I was. And uh, as a result, nothing ever got done. I was just awkward all of the time. And I just, I'd, I'd never made any friends. And I was always so down on myself. And it was awful. And so my prayer for you in if you are walking through this or if you know someone walking through this, that you can really see empowerment as a freedom, a freedom to be who it is God's made you to be. Okay, next slide, Livy. Security, being empowered looks like you are secure. We are, should be, the most secure people on the planet But in Australia, we are the second most medicated country for anxiety and depression. We should be the most secure people. And I'm not saying this to tell you off if you have anxiety because I also get anxiety. I'm talking to you as someone who's very flawed. I don't have it all together. But being an empowered Christian means that we have security. Now, we've talked about being free and who we are made to be and that brings us security to a point. But there are things out of our control that can happen. We can worry about anything, really. Like, um, I don't know if you've ever looked at the origin of phobias. Phobias always start out as just an irrational fear and they just grow and they grow and they grow and they grow to become this phobia that will stop people from leaving their house, It will stop people from... Uh, talking to particular people or eating particular things or driving particular places and it is nothing has changed the world hasn't changed the only thing that's changed is their thoughts to create this phobia in their brain and these connections that are really strong that tell them there is danger if you do that that's the only thing that's changed but as a people as a Christian people of God we need to be being empowered means that we are secure we are secure. So in Romans um, 8.28, it says, We know that in all, in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And then in uh, Jeremiah 29.11-12, it says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. I like having those two verses together because in Jeremiah, I feel a lot of us know that one, right? We know that verse, you know, God's got good plans for me. But I like having it tempered with Romans 8, 28, because it says we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, okay? That all things will work together for good, that it won't mean that what we define as good being say you know everything being you know being working out perfectly the way we had always expected but that it works out for good that god has a purpose for the things that happen to us um, there's a mystery around all of that for me because things bad things have happened to me bad things have happened to people in my life that were really good faith filled people Uh, my mum passed away when I was 17 she had breast cancer she was diagnosed when I was 15 Um, and she was a prayer pillar in our church she ran women's groups and she went to every faith thing and she was uh, always praying for people and in fact when she would pray for people people would be healed so it was not a question of her faith and in fact She was so faith-filled that she didn't talk to me or any of her children about death and what would happen if she died because she was not going to die. But she died. And the whole family imploded, you know, some circles in the church imploded. It was devastating. So bad stuff has happened to me too and I don't understand why and I don't think I will ever understand why but I do know now in my life that I am, I am walking perhaps in a depth with God that I wouldn't have had if she was still here, maybe. I don't know. I can't go back. I can't see the future. I don't have a crystal ball. But I can see evidence of God wherever she was and actually even after she died there were things that happened that worked to keep us in some sort of security. For example, um, you know, the issue was she wasn't going to talk to us about death because she wasn't going to die. But God gave her a dream of what each of us were going to do. I have three other siblings. I'm the eldest of four. And so she had a dream of what we were going to do with our lives. And I remember what she said. And we are all doing what she dreamt. Um, we found a journal entry after she died in her room of going to, of her having a vision of heaven And she said, it was so beautiful. I didn't want to leave, but I don't want to leave my children either. But just knowing what she was probably experiencing right now in heaven was a comfort to us. That's God working things together for good. That kept us together in some way. And I'm not saying it's been easy at all. It's been really hard, especially for my siblings. But there's evidence of God through everything that happened. And we can be secure. And I love what Christine Kane talks about. Um, and if any of you have ever suffered health anxiety, I'm, because of my own journey with my mum, always worried about, oh, there's a ache here, or what's happening with my knee, or, you know, something's wrong. Um, but I love what Christine Kane talks about when she got diagnosed with breast cancer, where she said, okay, God, I think you have asked me to raise these kids, but I have cancer. So I know that one of two things are going to happen. Either I pray and you heal me and I'm fine and I live until I'm old and then I go home to you and it's, you know, to your glory, or I am healed when I get to heaven and I'm spending eternity with you and I'm happy. So she said, where's the problem? There's no problem. One of those two things will happen. And I just love it. It's so encouraging because that is what the Bible says. There is nothing that we need to fear. Everything works for good and there are good plans. And then if it all goes down the gurgler, we get to go home to heaven where we are happy. There is no tears. There's no sickness. And, you know, there are people there that I can't wait to meet. It's going to be awesome. We should be walking in security to be empowered Christians. Okay. Next slide, Liv. In Deuteronomy, I love this, I love this scripture. Uh, it says, um, Let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him, for he shields him all day long, and the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. Have you ever had a scratch like right between your shoulders and you just can't get it? Like it's just really hard. I'm at the age now where I think I'd like a back scratcher, like stick thing. Um, It's untouchable. It's very hard to get there. We're right between your shoulders. We're untouchable. In John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Be secure. And in Isaiah it says, but now this is what the Lord says, he who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. We belong to him. We should be secure Christians. To be empowered is to be secure. We can be at peace. Okay, next slide. Thanks, Livy. The next Part of an empowered Christian is having empathy. Empathy is something that I think we as a global church may have sometimes confused as weakness or um, permission. Uh, What happens if we're empathetic to that gambler? Are we condoning that behaviour? What happens if we're empathetic to alcoholism or um, somebody who is abusive is that condoning behavior and I think that we've sometimes got that a little bit confused empathy is not at all condoning behavior empathy is feeling what somebody is feeling and to understand them that's the definition to understand and to share feelings that is what empathy is and the Bible talks about that and I don't know if we know this enough but actually it's very, very clear on her being empathetic to our community. Jesus told Zacchaeus to come down from the tram having lunch with you. Jesus talked to Mary at the well about all of her husbands. There's a story of the Good Samaritan, empathetic, understanding, The feelings and sharing that with somebody else. In the Bible, 1 Timothy, and I love this verse, it's very interesting. Uh, Chapter 5, verse 8, it says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, this is a part of the Bible. It's called their little subtitle heading is called "Instructions for Believers," and this is Timothy talking to the church about what should happen, especially if uh, a someone in their family is widowed uh, and their means of income and survival is compromised. And this is what he's saying: if you see a need and you have, and you have not provided for, for your relative. You've denied your faith and are worse than an unbeliever. Those are some strong words. And I read that as not just monetary provision. I read that as providing for people what they're needing. And guess what people are needing? They're needing understanding. They need us to share in their experiences. Those are some very strong words about what happens if we don't provide that. We can get, as a church, so hung up on talking about the backsliders and and praying for them even. Not that I think praying for backsliders is a bad thing. Praying is always wonderful. It's just the way that we are designed to communicate with God. But if we are not providing for these people, we are worse than an unbeliever. We are worse than a backslider. Okay. In 1 John 4:19 to 21 it says that we love because he first loved us. If anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Meaning he does not love God. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. We must also, must, must, must love our brother. And empathy for me is really connected with love. Because it's not easy to share and understand the feelings of somebody else when they're not ours. I believe it takes a love. I believe it takes a love of humanity or a love of of of. The people around you, the love for your community to take the time to stop and be empathetic for people, to provide the understanding for people. In Philippians it says, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Our heart as an empowered Christian would be full of empathy for the people around us now I'm not going to make a statement about homosexual people but I am going to tell you and not many people know this I only know this because of my study in child psychology but um, when a child is abused there is a huge percentage of them it's 80 percent or something like that that will will show homosexual behaviors. Okay, I just want to leave you that information because I'm I'm wanting you to have empathy for these pe- for people that are different. Okay, that when we see a behavior, whether it is homosexual behaviors or whether that is alcoholism or drug abuse, whether that is. Um, Anything else that we deem as wrong and which is wrong, the Bible talks about, a lot of the time that comes from tra- trauma and abuse and things that have happened to them. There are people that I know who are who are drug dealers. I don't know them personally uh, but I know them and I know their childhood and I know that they were beaten by their dads and their mums. I know that they were forced to sell drugs at high school. I know that they were... Um, just at the end of their rope at a very young age and they had suicidal thoughts. Okay, these are the people that we want coming into our church because we, we have, in terms of knowing the answer, we have it here available for them. But we need to show empathy. We need to have an understanding for where they're coming from. That is being empowered. Okay, last one. Thanks, Livy. Next slide. Being empowered looks like bravery. All of the things that I've talked about so far is impossible in our own strength. It is only possible through the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus went back to heaven, he left with us a helper, the Holy Spirit, to be the the person or the yeah the person the spirit that is is part of the Trinity of God, so it is in communion with God the Father, in communion with Jesus, but is that tangible little voice in your heart, the thing that works in your innermost being, the thing that edifies us, that strengthens us and convicts us, that is the only way that we are going to be empowered. Being secure and being free and having empathy aren't possible if we are only looking at our flesh, if we're only dealing with our flesh because our flesh will always trip us up. It will always let us down and God is aware of that. The Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit helps us to do what is impossible. But the reason why I'm talking about that in the section of bravery is that it is not easy to turn to the Holy Spirit. Sometimes that takes bravery. You need to be brave to turn to the one that you know will convict you if you do something wrong, that is in communion with God the Father, God the Father that created the world and everything in it, and Jesus the one who died for us and went through a horrific death and walked so bravely on the earth, when we are turning to that part of God, it is not always easy. It is hard. It is takes a courage and a bravery to do. And I believe that it's what stops us. As empowered Christians, it stops us because we are scared of what is going to happen. It was in the Bible, Peter, trying to, taking that step off, you know, onto the water with Jesus. It was really hard. It's hard. It's not easy. It takes bravery. In Joshua one nine, it says, "Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go." I have shared before this story because it is so profound but I want to share it again because it is so profound. Um, it's by Francis Chan, I love him. He is a bit of a, a pioneer and he does things differently sometimes but I think that's great for the balance of the body. He talks about an uh, Indian pastor who rang him up after there came out a story of one of the American pastors, um, I think leaving his wife or something like that, something very disappointing. And the Indian pastor rang up Francis and said, why why do American people just, how come they don't know God? And he said, what are you talking about? He, you know, he knew God and he said, no, he didn't know God. And he said, Francis, he said, so many Christians are so content to come to church and to learn about God from whoever's speaking up at the front rather than to go up the mountain themselves. So many Christians are content to come into church, listen to the four songs and the sermon, and communion and the sermon, and then go home. Instead of not taking what whoever's preaching up here at, at face value and just hey what is the Holy Spirit talking to me about and that takes bravery and in the reference to going up the mountain was a reference to Moses and this Indian pastor talked to Francis about in the Bible in Exodus when the Israelites had been taken from Moses took them out led them out of Egypt he took them into uh, the wilderness and they're wandering around and then um, God called mountain uh, God called Moses up the mountain And Moses went up the mountain and spoke to God. God gave him the Ten Commandments. And when he came down, the Israelites had already created another God. The reason why they did that was for the same reason pastors and other people in our global church are failing all the time, is because they are not going up the mountain. They are happy just to hear from Moses and to, and to hear from the person talking to them about who God is and to, to get that, that second-hand account instead of actually being brave enough to go up the mountain, being brave enough to go up and be transformed yourself, to go and listen to what God is telling you because that might be different. You might have some completely different perspective to what I'm talking to you about. It might not be for you. But you're not going to know unless you don't go up the mountain spiritually. Do not be content with just coming to church and doing the things that we always do and then going home and being safe and then coming back again on Sunday. Not that that's a wrong thing to do. But go up the mountain yourself. Be brave enough to take those steps up the mountain and to be transformed like Moses was. Because if we are able to do that, we are able to access the Holy Spirit and walk with him as close as if he is just a breath away, then we are able to be empowered. We are able to be free, secure and empathetic to the people around him. We can hear the Holy Spirit in our ear telling us stuff that we can't see with our natural eyes. And we will be walking in an empowered way in the community where we live and making such a huge difference to the people watching us. The whole point of this is that we are witnessing with our life and the only way we'll witness with our life is if we are hearing from him. So, be empowered this morning. But if you don't remember anything else about what I said this morning, just please, please, please take this. Go up the mountain. Be brave enough to take those steps. Be brave enough to commit and that might mean that things might need to change for you in some way. But don't just be content because I'm telling you, as someone who was forced up the mountain, I didn't even, I mean, I kind of had a choice but like, the, you know, my own journey really just, I had nowhere to go but the mountain, it is so much better up here. <laughs> It is just so much better than just hearing from someone else about what they think God's saying and then being content with that. It is so much more empowering and things uh, the Bible comes to life in a way that it wouldn't if you don't go up there. So if, if there's anything, if there's nothing else you remember, please, please just remember to go up the mountain. So I'm going to pray for us and then we'll close. Uh, And I hope that you can hang around for some fellowship or some prayer afterwards. So let's pray. Father, it's such an honour and privilege to be here this morning with my family. And Lord, I just thank you that you are here this morning with us. Father, I just thank you for who you are, that you are just, just such a kind, generous, loving God. And that in your word you have given us everything that we need to be empowered and to walk in an empowered, free, secure, empathetic way. And I just pray over my brothers and sisters this morning that whatever part of the journey they're going on, whether they're walking or crawling or running or sprinting, Lord, I just pray that you will just speak to their hearts, Lord, and that you'll continue just to coax them into a depth of relationship with you. I just pray that they will begin to have a desire to be really, really mindful and intentional with their time with you. I just pray that you'll walk with them in their journeys as they go off in this week, Lord. And I just pray that um, your Holy Spirit will continue to speak to us about how it is that you want us to live and who it is you want us to talk to. I thank you for bringing us together. I thank you for the freedom we have to come together. And I pray that you bless us and protect us for the next week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure you subscribe to stay up to date with all our latest sermons. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church. We'll come along to our Sunday service at 10am.